0: Hello, I'm Gary Fogle and welcome to my podcast, Kentucky Sports Memories. Glad you could join me and I had a show all prepared for this week, ready to go, but then on Tuesday everything changed, so I put that show on hold and it can air next week because on Tuesday we all got word that Wes Unseld had passed away. So I decided to do this week's show. On And obviously, you know about his career. Most people know about his NBA career. But anybody in Kentucky likely knows or should know about his high school and college career. He's one of the greatest high school basketball players in the history of Kentucky high school basketball. One of the greatest college players. So let's talk about his high school career first. He led Seneca or helped lead Seneca High School to -to back-to-back state championships In 1963 and 64, he was a tremendous player for um, Seneca High School. Tremendous high school basketball player. And I thought to get more insight on his high school career, I would talk to Bob White. And if you're not familiar with Bob White, he was the high school writer for the Louisville Courier Journal for many years. He was with the Louisville Courier Journal. Full-time high school writer from 1962 to 2000 and so he covered many, many great high school athletes in several sports, and I talked with him on the phone about Wes Unseld and the type of player he was. Here's our conversation. Bob, you've seen a lot of great players in your history of covering high school athletics. How good was that Wes Unseld? Where does he rank? Well, he ranks
1: number one among big men. I would say for what he did and what he went on to do in college and then the NBA. But he was a uh, he was a guy who never, you know, would show off or be real fancy. He was just a very uh solid player who made very few mistakes, committed very few fouls and just dominated a game from, you know, from rebounding and his passing.
0: Everybody talks about that aspect of his game, his rebounding and his passing. I mean, he scored a lot of points in his career, but what stands out are those two areas you just talked about.
1: Well, you know, he could take the ball off the defensive board and turn around and throw a two-handed pass to midcourt or beyond and set up a fast break for Mike Red or whoever was – uh, going down court. and most high schools can't do that. Uh, Wes was only six and a six, six and a half, or six seven, but he was so you know he was so broad and uh, bulky, and uh, he was so strong, and the, you know the ball just like was like a tennis ball in his hand.
0: I've heard two stories about him. and I want you to tell me whether they're true. Somebody once said, or I don't know where I heard this, that. He could get a rebound, a defensive rebound, turn while still in the air, and throw the outlet pass before he ever hit the ground.
1: Well, I think he does. I read in the paper this morning where they said he hit the other back corner. I never saw him do that, I don't think. But he could, uh, he could do all of that in one motion. Of course, he was well coached by Bob Malky. And Malty played in Lexington, Lafayette under Ralph Carlisle, who's one of the best coaches Kentucky ever had in high school. Uh, so Also just kept getting better and better from his junior year on.
0: Well, he may have had a great coach, but still, to be able to grab a defensive rebound oh, and yeah. while still in the air turn and throw the outlet pass before he hit the ground. That takes amazing athleticism
1: oh yeah that, that yeah it really does i mean he was that strong and he was smart enough to know if he got the ball out somebody was gonna be down court to get it and it just helped he was a team player all the way he was he hardly ever dunked the ball
0: so my thanks to bob white the courier journal high school writer as i said he started there in 1962 And he was full-time high school writer for them from 62 to 2000, retired in 2000. And then he spent 15 more years with them as a freelance writer, just covering high school sports part-time for them. Also covered some golf on occasion, but many years with the Louisville Courier-Journal. He's 84 years now, fully retired, and he's given it up. But, boy, what knowledge and memories he has of great high school athletes throughout the years Kentucky high school of sports. So anyway, Unseld goes on from uh, Seneca High School to the University of Louisville, and uh, he plays at U And he was an All-American in both 1967, his junior year, the 66-67 season, and then the 67-68 season. He was an All-American uh, both of those years. They made trips to the NIT and NCAA tournament. Went to the NIT his sophomore year in '66 and the NCAA tournament 67-68. Gotta remember, back then, freshmen weren't eligible to play varsity. As a freshman, you only got to practice with the varsity and you played on the freshman team, but you didn't actually play for the varsity until your sophomore year. So only three years as a varsity player. He, by the way, many people would think that Daryl Griffith is the all-time leading scorer at UofL, which he is, by the way, all-time as far as total points. But you've got to remember, Griff played four years at UofL. By the time Griff came along, freshmen were eligible to play varsity. So he got four years, until only got three. Unseld is the all-time leading scorer at Louisville as far as career points per game average. Unseld averaged just over 20 points per game for his career, Second on UofL's list is Butch Beard, who averaged 19 points per game. And then Griff comes third, who averaged 18.5 points per game for their career. So Unteld is number one at UofL for a career point average per game. He's also number one at UofL for rebounds per game average. He averaged almost 19 rebounds per game for his career. That's simply amazing. Unseld holds the single-game scoring record at University of Louisville. He scored 45 points in one game. Nobody has ever scored that or has no, nobody has ever equaled that at UofL. And he is also one of four UofL players to have his number retired. Not his jersey, but his number. No one to ever wear his number ever again. Uh, Daryl Griffith, the other, of course. Uh, one of the others. Purvis Ellison and Charlie Tyree, the other three. And then Wes Unseld, and he makes four. There have only been four. So, Tremendous high school career here in Kentucky, tremendous college career here in Kentucky. Then from there, he went on to play in the NBA. And uh, you probably know he went to the uh, Washington, or first of all, the Baltimore Bullets, starting with the 1968 season. And then the Baltimore Bullets eventually moved to um, Washington, D.C. and became the Washington Bullets. But he was with that same franchise his entire career, 1968 to 1981. He's in the National Basketball, Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame for his uh, professional career. He was a Rookie of the Year and MVP and he's the only person to ever do that. The only person to ever be Rookie of the Year and MVP in the NBA. So, uh, amazing career. He was also an uh, MVP for the finals when the Bullets won the 1978 nba championship so a great career as far as a professional career and um just the accolades kept coming in all this week about what he had done so i also talked with lloyd gardner about um about wes unseld i want to talk to lloyd mainly about when wes unseld went pro because give you a little background lloyd gardner many of you may remember was a high school basketball coach he was an assistant coach for the uh Fairdale team that won back-to-back state championships in the early 90s, and then he was the Fairdale head coach when they won it again in 94. And prior to that, Lloyd Gardner had been a trainer for the Kentucky Colonels and the old American Basketball Association. Many of you younger people may not remember the ABA, which existed from 1967 to 76. It was a rival professional league to the NBA, and Kentucky had a team in there called the Kentucky Colonels. Dan Issel, All American at UK, played there. Louis Dampier, All American at UK, played there. Uh, those probably two of the most prominent names who played for the Kentucky Colonels. But they wanted Wes Unseld, and they didn't get him. He ended up in the NBA with the Baltimore Bullets. So. Lloyd Gardner was a high schooler back when Wes Unsell was in high school, so he has memories of Unsell as a high school player, and he was also involved with the Kentucky Colonels as Lloyd Gardner was later the trainer for the Kentucky Colonels before he got back into high school coaching and um, coached the Fairdale team. So I'll talk with Lloyd about his experience and his memories of Wes Unsell, both in high school and when the Colonels tried to sign him when he came out of college at Yuleville. Here's our conversation. Lloyd, let's begin with, you were in high school the same time as Wes Unseld, correct?
2: Well, he was a sophomore, but I still went to the state tournaments and had a you know, had some, a lot of games that I saw him play back then. So uh, he graduated in 64, I graduated in on in 62, but I still went to those state tournaments when they played.
0: You've seen a lot of high school players over the years, obviously just as a spectator, as a coach. Where would you rank, Unseld, among the greatest high school players in Kentucky?
2: Well, I don't think there's any question. He has to be mentioned with the names of King Kelly Coleman and Rex Chapman and in that group. I don't know what I would put it. He's got to be in that top three, four, five, maybe one or two even. But uh, as far as state tournament goes, I don't know that anybody had better state tournaments than he did. Uh, in 1963 in the championship game, he had eight points, but he had 25 rebounds. In '64, he had 29 points and 22 rebounds against Breckenridge County. But the big thing about him is a rebounder. And a, I don't think anybody will ever break this record because if you don't go back-to-back, or at least play in two state tournaments during your career, you don't have a chance to break these type records. But he holds a total rebound state tournament record. He had 88 rebounds in 1964 in four games. He's also second. In 1963, he had 72 rebounds in four games. So he ranks one, two. And just to give you an example, J.R. Van is third was 69. So uh, quite a career with him and Mr. Basketball, two state champions. And as I said before, there were only four back-to-back state champions in the last hundred years. But uh, that's 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 quite a record for him in the state tournament their record his four years in high school 24 and three 23 and three 31 and 1 29 and two that's 97 and nine was their total record.
0: those are those are mind-boggling numbers so let's move on past high school past college you were involved with the Kentucky Colonels uh, you were the trainer for the Colonels professional basketball team and obviously the colonels love to bring in local talent and they tried to get him when he came out of the university of louisville
2: well the aba actually had what was called a regional draft so that you could draft the players within your region uh, uh get that heads up first because they felt like you would have a bigger draw if you had people from your community from your state that had great careers and Uh, This was actually started in 1967, and most people don't remember it. John Dromo was the head basketball coach at at the University of Louisville. He followed Peck Hickman. And uh, Joe Gregory, Joe and Mamie Gregory, they owned the team at the time. So in December of 67, they met and asked John Dromo if they would like to talk to him about Wes Huntsville. So they met with him several times, and one of the things they wanted to eventually get to would he want to play uh, locally in Louisville and that answer was yes so in February of 68 uh, the Gregory's gave Dromo an offer of $210,000 for four years that was a lot of money back then a lot of money players were making 20 and 30 thousand dollars a year several days later they came back and they weren't very happy with the offer and Dromo wanted to re- represent Unsel. Now, I don't want to get on John Dromo's case, but as I know the history of this, and and uh, John Dromo was a wheeler dealer, and he wanted to represent Unsel, and I don't blame him for wanting to represent Unsel, but very unusual uh, for a high college coach, even more so today, to represent their own kid. Well, a week later, though, Unsel hired a, a local attorney here in Louisville. So on March the 9th, the Unsell family attorney and John Dromo, uh, they would uh, said he wanted to play in Louisville and the attorneys felt like $210,000 was about half enough. So the next day, his attorneys advised the colonels to go ahead and draft Unsell with their first-round choice because West wanted to play locally. And they gave his attorney a blank contract and said, here... Here, what's in the ABA standard contract? Go over it, and let's sit down and make an offer. Well, on March the 20th, the attorneys uh, they came back with four hundred thousand dollars and twenty thousand dollars for attorney's fees.
0: Now, again, I'm going to interrupt and, you for just a second, Lloyd. This was 1968, correct?
2: This is this is. We're in 69 now. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, 68. We're 1968. Yeah. Okay. They met with Dromo in sixty-seven. This is nineteen sixty-eight, March the twentieth, nineteen sixty-eight. His attorney wrote down forty-four hundred thousand dollars with twenty thousand attorney's fees, and uh, they wanted a guaranteed contract from the Gregorys. Guaranteed contracts weren't really—they uh, either wanted the guarantee or they wanted the money put in escrow to protect him, and they offered to do that. Now on April the first. The attorney's offer was made with a handwritten, uh, in a handwritten form, and they gave it to the Gregorys, and they were accepted. So the Gregorys said, go back and type this up, and uh, we'll all get together and sign it and have a press conference. Well at this point, right after they sat there and said type it up, John Dromo and the attorney and Wes, they left the room. they came back in and said they were embarrassed now here's where i say that john dromo got involved john dromo he didn't want any games played on the same night that the university of louisville played now you got to realize the kentucky Colonels were playing at louisville gardens convention center whatever you it was called in your day and uh uofl played at freedom hall well the Gregory's couldn't guarantee that but they said they would try to try to work it out with the league as best possible, but they couldn't guarantee it. And then Dromo says, I think you need to buy Wes a car, a six or $7,000 car. Now, that was a lot of car back then. Well, the, the, the colonels agreed to do that, and uh, they were to meet at 2 o'clock the next day, which would be April 2nd, and they were to sign the contract. They were to meet at 4 o'clock, I'm sorry. At 2 o'clock, they called the signing off. So, who,
0: who called the signing off, the colonels or John Dromo and Wes?
2: John Dromo and his attorney called the whole deal off after they'd agreed to it. And uh, they made the. well, Wes says the money's the only thing that counts. Now, here's the big kicker. The next day, the Gregory's offer $500,000 to Wes Unsel. That's sixty thousand dollars more than Elvin Hayes got to go to San Diego. Now to give you some, give you a little bit. I was in my second year of teaching. I made six thousand two hundred forty dollars as a teacher. So people that are young don't understand these wages. Six thousand two hundred forty dollars as a teacher. I was a trainer for the Colonels that summer, and in the, the, the during the tryout season, and I was a trainer for the colonels the year before because back then they didn't travel trainers you take both teams you also need to realize when they're trying to get out they already had spencer haywood they already had rick barry in the league and they also had uh, connie hawkins in the league so they were trying to get some credibility
0: so the colonels offer five hundred thousand dollars why doesn't west take it
2: Uh, That's a question yet to be answered. So what the the Gregory's did, they took out a full-page ad in the Courier-Journal, and uh, the headlines on the ad simply say, Colonels offer Unsel huge letters, 500,000. The following are the facts with regards to the West Unsel negotiations from start to date. And the Colonels urged all basketball fans in Kentucky to tell Wesley by wire phone, that they wanted him to play in Kentucky before he signed with the NBA. Joe Gregory, president. But I don't want to really put this on Wes. I will never say a negative word about him. In the end, uh, he definitely made the right decision at that time. Uh, He had a great career in high school. He had a great career In the NBA, one of two people at that time was the second person to be Rookie of the Year and MVP of the league. But if there's ever a nicer, gentle giant in this world, I don't know who it would be other than Wes Unsel. And uh, I will never say a negative word about him as much as I wish he just played in Louisville. uh, He made the right choice at that time.
0: But, again, why do you think he... Do you think it was his decision to turn the Colonels down, or was it Dromo, was an attorney, was somebody else in his ear and saying, let's go elsewhere?
2: Well, just from what I know about it in history, I think he got some bad advice, which turned out to be good advice. But at the time, I think it was bad advice because he always said he wanted to play in Louisville. And when a kid wants to play in Louisville, that badly and that kind of money somebody somewhere is putting something in your ear and I don't know who at the bottom line did it but I would suspect it wasn't Wes.
0: Well did he get a better contract with the Baltimore Bullets where he eventually honest, signed?
2: Well I'll be honest with you I really don't know because I don't have uh, that information. He, they even promised that when the ABA got they would call him, and they would the Gregory's agreed to match it so you know, there's a lot of unanswered questions that I guess only those people would know, and today none of those are
0: around. So, oh, you're you know? saying the colonel's owners said whatever the NBA offered, they would match that salary? Yes. And he still so went NBA? You
2: start looking at people, once you make an agreement, when people start adding on and adding on and getting greedy about it, that, that turns the whole situation around and, Who's running this show and who's making these decisions? Young kids. I mean, he was a young man. He was a young man, and he wasn't a belligerent person. He wasn't a person who was loud and boisterous, and I can see these this attorney, which I don't know the attorney's name. This attorney and, and Coach Dromo were very influential in what he did, probably more so than West.
0: Lloyd, I appreciate your time. Great deal of insight Uh, a lot of people don't know and uh, added a lot to what we had to uh, look at and talk about here. I appreciate your time.
2: Well, thank you so much for having me. And uh, just remember, uh, I don't want any of this to be negative against Wes Unsel because I don't know anybody can say one bad thing about him.
0: Very good. Thank you, Lloyd. I appreciate it. Thank you. So my thanks to Lloyd Gardner and Bob White for their uh, time to talk about Wes Unseld, one of the greatest athletes to ever play, certainly high school basketball, one of the greatest athletes, period, to ever play here in the state of Kentucky. Wes Unseld passed away on Tuesday at the age of 74. That'll do it for the show this week. I thank you for listening and uh, certainly appreciate you being a part of it. I would like your feedback. If you have time to reach out, let me know what you think about the show. That would be great. If you have story ideas, people or teams or places in Kentucky sports history that you think I should be talking about that would make an interesting show, please let me know. If you want to reach out to me, you can do so. You can uh, go to my website, which is KentuckySportsMemories.com, and there is all my contact information where you can get in touch. Please do so. Let me know your thoughts. And otherwise, if you don't reach out, certainly hope you will tune in every week, listen to the show. You can find it on KentuckySportsMemories.com and you can find it on iTunes. Every Friday, I bring a new show your, your way and I will do so again next Friday. So until then, I'm Gary Fogle for Kentucky Sports Memories. Thanks for listening.